Today is Sunday, August 1st, 2021. On this day in 1933, four communists were executed by Adolf Hitler's Nazi government. This political stunt was the beginning of Hitler's efforts to silence dissent in Germany. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the execution of four communists, considered by Adolf Hitler to be enemies of the Nazi regime. Now, let's go back to August 1st, 1933, in Hamburg, Germany. It's not exactly clear what specific crimes the condemned men committed on their own, but their individual actions weren't important. August Lutgens, Karl Wolf, Bruno Tesch, and Walter Muller weren't being killed for anything they'd actually done. They were targeted for their political affiliation. It was a new era in Germany, and a frightening one. In January, Adolf Hitler was appointed chancellor of the country and quickly started punishing his political opponents. He hadn't yet seized total control, but his party seemed unstoppable. As the world watched on, afraid to intervene and spark another great war, Hitler focused on the enemy within. The Nazis were popular in the country, but weren't without opposition. As the party gained attention, so too did the desire for communism as an alternative. Hitler needed to squash it. He used the SA, a Nazi paramilitary organization often called the stormtroopers, to enact his will. In 1932, the SA violently clashed with a left-wing group in the Hamburg suburb of Altena. The conflict, known as Altena Bloody Sunday, became a propaganda tool for the Nazis to seize deeper political power. And one year later, the costs were all too clear, as four condemned men were led to their deaths. Nazi executions were a violent affair. The four communists were killed by hand axe. They had all been officially sentenced on June 6th for crimes related to the Altena Bloody Sunday. According to Hitler and the Nazis, the communists were entirely responsible for the violence and had to be put down as a matter of public safety. The day of the execution, left-leaning Germans organized throughout the country. They handed out pamphlets urging pacifism in direct opposition to the Nazis' plans for war. Forty-six of the canvassers were arrested that day alone. The message being sent from Hitler's new regime was clear. The Nazi agenda was the German agenda. Opposition would not be tolerated. These four men represented just a few out of hundreds of political opponents beheaded by the Nazis during Hitler's reign. It was a flashing warning sign for Germany and the world at large. 
Hitler had seized power. His plans were vast. Dissent would be crushed. Violence was part of the agenda, and his plans didn't stop at the German border. Coming up, how Bloody Sunday and political executions paved the way for Hitler's rise to power. Imagine living with a secret so big that if anyone ever found out, it would change everything. Imagine carrying that secret with you every day, desperate to one day get it off your chest. Do you think you could take a secret like that to the grave? I'm Estefania Hageman, host of the new podcast series, Deathbed Confessions, the show where we dive deep into the most explosive things people have admitted to while drawing their last breath, from murder, fake identities, heists, illicit affairs, and even top government secrets. This season on Deathbed Confessions, we investigate cases like Frank Thorogood, the construction worker who claimed that the drowning of Rolling Stones founder Brian Jones was no accident. Margaret Gibson, a silent film actress who, while dying of a heart attack, confessed to one of the most famous unsolved crimes in Hollywood history. And ex-CIA officer Howard Hunt, who on his deathbed confessed to playing a role in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Deathbed Confessions is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes weekly starting July 21st. Follow and listen to Deathbed Confessions for free on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the story. On August 1st, 1933, the Nazi regime executed four political opponents for their supposed involvement in the Altona Bloody Sunday Massacre one year earlier. The execution had two goals. One was to show Hitler's opposition the price of resistance. The second was to create the false narrative that Bloody Sunday was entirely the communists' fault. The truth was a little more complicated than the Nazis admitted. In 1932, the political situation was fraught. The balance had not yet tipped in the Nazis' favor, but the threat was growing by the day. President Hindenburg, a centrist, tried to keep some semblance of balance, failing to realize the extent of the Nazis' ambitions. He appointed Franz von Papen as chancellor. Von Papen was not a Nazi himself, but was a conservative politician who had common ground with the Nazi cause. Papen was intended to serve as a bridge between the center of the political spectrum and the growing Nazi fervor. But he was really more interested in stomping out what he saw as the true danger to the country, socialism. The SPD, a powerful left-wing party, still wielded some political power, especially in the German state of Prussia. Luckily for von Papen, an opportunity to seize Prussia soon materialized, unknowingly setting the groundwork for Hitler's rise to power. The SA, a Nazi paramilitary organization, planned a provocative demonstration in the Hamburg suburb of Altona. 
While technically part of the left-leaning Prussia, Altena was allied with a more radical offshoot group known as the KPD. These were proud communists, revolutionaries who spoke out and fought against the rise of authoritarianism. A Nazi demonstration on their home turf would inevitably be seen as an invasion. The SA march was intentionally designed to agitate the KPD. The Nazis came with weapons, knowing the socialists in Altena would have guns as well. On July 17, 1932, the Nazis and their police escort entered the suburb in droves. 6,000 marchers came ready to show the KPD who really controlled the country. The energy was tense, conflict was inevitable, and the police could only hope it wouldn't get out of hand. But it just took a few moments for violence to break out. KPD snipers stationed on roofs above the marchers opened fire on the group. The police knew the only chance to stop the conflict was to get the Nazis out of Altena. But this was a battle the Nazis actively wanted. They broke through the police escort and charged the waiting communists. A full-blown military conflict erupted in the streets. Bullets flew, knives slashed, and makeshift barricades fell. It was a dark day for Germany. The violence left 18 dead and at least 50 more injured. It wasn't an isolated incident. Several other clashes between Nazis and communists broke out across the country in the days and weeks following Bloody Sunday. Chancellor von Papen seized the opportunity to consolidate power. He declared an emergency and deposed the SPD leader of Prussia, claiming authority for himself. It was pure politics, as everyone knew the KPD, not the SPD, had fought the Nazis in Altena. The SPD found themselves stuck between two bad options. They could submit to civil war and fight the right wing on the streets, or try to battle in the courts and hope the fragile Weimar constitution could maintain order. They chose the latter to a disappointing end. While the courts found that deposing the SPD was illegal, they didn't invalidate von Papen's control of Prussia. Functionally, the SPD returned to power in name alone. Von Papen still controlled the region. This chaos cleared the way for Hitler's rise. Violence in the streets became an almost daily occurrence. The unrest agitated Germans, coaxing more toward Hitler's vision for change. The SPD lost their last real foothold of political power with the loss of Prussia. Meanwhile, Chancellor von Papen, by choosing to push back against the left and not the right wing, boxed himself in. During the July 31st national elections, the Nazi party won a clear plurality of seats. This left President Hindenburg in a bind. The aging leader needed to appease the growing Nazi fervor without allowing them to grab total control. But the shrewd von Papen had a plan to maintain his own influence. Hitler would be named chancellor, with von Papen as vice chancellor. Von Papen convinced President Hindenburg he could keep Hitler under control. It was a plan doomed to failure. 
the minute Hitler gained power, he used his own emergency declaration to expand it. Even though his Nazis were part of the violence in the streets, he blamed the communists. It was this campaign that led to the communist executions. Von Papen, now vice-chancellor, should have seen the writing on the wall. Hitler would put down anyone who got in his way. Just one year later, in 1934, von Papen's closest associates were killed by the Nazis, too. Violence in the streets, propaganda, and political executions are a vicious set of tools used by authoritarians to this day. The deaths of four communists in 1933 for unspecified crimes was a canary in a coal mine ignored by the world. It was a mistake we should never make again. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskin, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John McDonough, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 